October 7th, 2022. We're in Masechet Sanhedrin, three lines down in the widest lines, and it's the fourth word on the line. If you're called the Gemara, in the context of describing, as the Hachamim did, the generation, the people of Anshe Sedom, the people who were in Sedom, who, of course, HaKadosh Baruch Hu destroys, and uh, who the rabbis envision Eliezer vi- uh, visiting them and many of the terrible approaches that they had to life, their decrepit uh, conduct with one another, their way of uh, finding loopholes within the system so that they could discredit others. Says the Gemara, for example, as well, Hache atne benayu. This was the condition that they had. Kol man de mazmin gavra lebehilula. Any person, kol man, kol mi de mazmin, milashon hazmana, that invites gavra, another person, lebehilula, to their party. Any person who invites another to their party, lishlach gilima. They would take away <coughs> the clothing from that person. You're inviting others in, it's against our principles, against our way of life. We'll take away your clothing. Have hai hilula. There was a party, Ikla Eliezer Lehatam. Again, the antithesis of Sedom, Abraham, his servant Eliezer, and in turn, we're seeing a contrast, a conflict of worlds, uh, a clash of worlds in this context. Uh, Eliezer visits. They didn't give him bread. Of course, they didn't give him bread. Why would they give him bread? Nobody wants to give him bread, even if. It's the appropriate thing in their mind to do. They're going to lose their clothing. When the uh, festivities really begin and they're ready to eat, Eliezer sits in the back of everyone. Instead of partaking in the middle, he uh, finds himself on the sidelines. They turn to Eliezer, and of course they're all excited. You have to imagine them uh, salivating, excited to now knock out one of their friends, take his clothing away from him, because after all, Eliezer is not one of them. He must have been invited. Man azmanach lehacha. Who is it that invited you to hear? Amar leh ata zamnatan. He turns to Hahudiyativ, the person who's sitting next to him, points at him and says, you invited me. Amar dilma This person who he points to, about whom he says, he invited me, you invited me to this party, says to himself, well, if they hear his claim that I was invited, that I invited Eliezer to this, they'll take my clothing from me, shakal gilimeh, They'll take away my clothing, uh, uh, says, says the Gemara. Uh, again, says the Gemara, what he does is, excuse me, he grabs his clothing and he runs outside. He's nervous that as he's running outside, they're going to strip him of his clothing. He holds on to his clothing, grabs onto it, and runs out from the party. I mean, it's a, it's a comical scene. It's Eliezer picking up on the circumstance, but listen to what happens afterwards. So Eliezer then afterwards says, actually, you invited me. That person also gets up scared that others are going to accuse him, grabs his clothing, and runs out. And so the next one says, actually, you invited me, and so on and so forth, until, says the Gemara, Ad dinafke kulehu, until they all go out. And Eliezer is left alone to eat the meal by himself. 
Of course, it's a comical, ridiculous description of what may have taken place, but more than anything, it portrays this backward society of Sidon, where everyone is fearful of the other, that they might get caught being gomel hasadim to the other. The fact that it's taking the clothing, the Gemara Masechet Shabbat describes clothing as the kabod above person. The Gemara cites in that context the pasuk in Yeshayah, v'chibadeto is the, is the understanding in the hachamim that you have to wear special clothing for Shabbat. The Gemara says as well that Rabbi Ohanan over there, it says, used to call his clothing his mechabedai, those which gave me my honor, which means to say the honor of a person in Sidom, if you apply it to this Midrash, was the fact that you don't invite others, the fact that you distance others. It brings us, of course, back to the initial description. They were living a lavish, easy lifestyle, and in turn, the fear of as the Gemara described it, of diminishing, of distracting, of taking away from that ease of life, was too much for them. They had a pact together that they wouldn't invite or allow anyone in their context. Says the Gemara Amr, There was a Ravita, Ravita in Aramaic means a young woman. So a young lady, she was taking out, Rifta means bread, of course means a poor person, she's looking to give bread to a poor person, sounds like she hid it, and Rashi says it's a kad shela She had a pitcher, she had a jug when she went to draw water, maybe a pail when she went to draw water, and she threw the bread into it so that she'd inconspicuously give give bread to a poor person. Keep in mind the Gemara's story earlier about poor people. They come, they're given money, but nobody gives them bread. You're not allowed to. If you invite someone to the party, we just saw, we're grabbing your clothing. So she's hiding it. Igalaya milta. The, uh, the matter is revealed that this young woman is interested and maybe did give bread to poor people. Shafyuha dubsha. They spread, they smear um, uh, uh, honey all over her body. And they place her on the uh, top of the gate of the city. Pause for a second and remember, the gate of the city in the Torah is the description of the place where the, we said it yesterday, where the Beit is. You have to understand the imagery then of the Hachamim, putting her on the top of the gate perhaps is bringing you to the very place where justice should be coming out of, the very place of righteousness, but that is their justice and righteousness. We're going to judge her, we're going to determine that she acted wrongfully by wanting to give to another and punish her, quote unquote, in our Betin, on the Sha'ar Ha'ir by putting honey on her, atazibore, and then allowing for bees to come, ve'achaluha, and they ate her, or they stung her enough and brought her to death. Vahainu dikhtiv, it's about this sort of story that the Hachamim or Doresh, the Pasuk, vayomer Adonai za'akat sedon va'amora ki rabab. Pasuk says that HaKadosh Baruch Hu hears and realizes the cries of Sedom Amora Ki Rabbah. Now, literal translation of Ki Rabbah is because it was great, because it was very loud, because it was very manifested. The Amarav Yehuda Amarav, instead of reading it as Ki Rabbah, read it as Al Iske Riba. Riba again means a young, young woman. It's about the matter of a young woman. This was just one example of what defined a society of backward morals and ethics. Says the Gemara onward, back to the Mishnah, Meragelim and Lehem Chalak. What's that? Jelly. Say it again? Jelly. Jelly, okay. So they put 
Dufsha. Dufsha is honey. You want it to be jelly? Says the Gemara onward, Meragelim in the Mchelek La'olam Haba. That was the Mishnah told us that the Meragelim, the spies, we read about them in Parashat Shelach, we read about them in Parashat Devarim, in the Mchelek La'olam Haba, Shene'emar, Vayamutu Ha'anashim, Mosie'e, Dibat Ha'aretz, Ra'a. Says the Bamagefa. So the Pasuk mentions, seemingly, it's the way the Mefashim explained it, out of order. It should have said, Vayamutu Bamagefa. They died in a plague. Instead, it splits it up. They died, the people who spoke wrongfully about the land, in a plague. The fact that the Pasuk separates the death and the plague seems to denote, it seems to uh, hint to us there's two deaths that are being mentioned. Vayamutu Ba'olam Hazeh. It's a reference to death both in this world and of course in Ulam Haba, that's what Perik Halik is all about. Adat Korach, if you recall, we talked as well about Adat Korach, the assembly of Korach. We know about this from Parashat Korach. The Pasuk describes how the land, the ground covers them. That's a derashah as Ba'ulam Hazeh, but then it continues. It doesn't just say that the ground covers them, which would be their death in this world. The Pasuk says, furthermore, Vayovedu mitoch hakahal, they become lost from the assembly from Am Yisrael, and why the separate and double wording of they're covered by the ground? Of course they're lost from the people. The fact that you have that seemingly redundant mention is La'ulam haba divrei Rabbi Akiva, it's a statement of Rabbi Akiva, Rabbi Li'ezer Omer, Alehem Amar HaKatuv, about them, Hana spoke, and we just read it on Rosh Hashanah, Adonai Memit Um Morid She'ol Vaya'al, even though they descended, they ultimately speaking would and did ascend, make their way to Olam Haba. Why is Hana speaking about it? So we talked about it then, according to the Midrash, according to the Hachamim, the vision is that Hana is in some way related to them. Says the Gemara, let's talk now about Adat Korach. Now that we have them mentioned in the Mishnah, so we've been doing throughout the Perik, we don't just suffice with an Olam Haba mention, we try to understand the entire episode, make dirashot about each and every word and person. Tanur Rabbanan Adat Korach in halak la'olam haba shene'emar v'techas alehem ha'aretz ba'olam hazeh v'yoved that was the first opinion we saw in the Mishnah already. We just cited it above. Right? That's the reference that they lost their Hilak La'ulam Haba. He says, look at the Pasuk and notice and be sensitive to the word Vayovedu. The word Aveda means, means to be lost. Generally speaking, something that's lost, if I'm telling you a story about how it was lost, not always, but oftentimes it means that it's something that can or will be found. It's not lost forevermore, per se. It's potentially something that's lost and will be found. It says they're being lost from the general assembly. Doesn't mean they're forever lost. It means they're like an aveda, something that you lost. And now you're searching and seeking for it. It means they didn't lose hope. And as a matter of fact, they potentially merited all that. He cites a pasuk from Tehilim. Is this pasuk just an example? Or is this pasuk referring to Bnei Korah? So it's Mahlok and Fashim. Rashi understands this pasuk is referring to Korah, to the assembly of Korah. Pasuk says, Ta'iti kese, I was lost like a se um, oved, a sheep that's, that's lost. I'm that lost one, but I want you to search for me because I haven't forgotten your mitzvot. The reference in turn explains Rashi is David in some way has this veiled mention of Adat Korah. 
Uh, they're not altogether lost. They did or will repent in some way. They had the right intention in some respect, and as a result, should not and will not lose their portion in Olam Haba. That's the opinion of Rabbi Yudah ben Mitera. We have a mahloket about Adat Korach. Now, it's clear from the Torah, we'll read it in the, in the words of the Hachamim in just a few moments, that Adat Korach is far from simple. It's certainly a rebellion against Moshe. It's certainly in a national perspective, something that was very detrimental and hurt us a lot. The question is, with regards to intention of the people and with regards in turn to their aftermath and punishment, to what extent should they and were they punished? And that's, that's really the question. Now, in terms of their involvement with Am Yisrael, there was no place for them. They were hurting the people through a rebellion at a vulnerable time to the nation. The question, however, is that's quite a statement. To argue that they were going against one of the principles of faith, to argue... But they potentially were. They were potentially going against the, uh, the Bihira of Moshe Rabbeinu as, uh, as, as the leader and the highest prophet of Am Yisrael. So in turn, says the Gemara, Vaikah Korach, the entire parasha of Korach, begins with those two enigmatic, mysterious words. Korach takes. What did Korach take? Uh, says the Rashi has his commentary to the Torah, Unkulus, and so forth. Amar Lakish, Lakish, well, after Unkulus, before Rashi says, Shelakah. Resh Lakish quite simply says he took for himself a rotten uh, acquisition. What's that acquisition? Explains Rashi. The Mahloket. He took for himself a Mahloket. Unkulus has it palig. It palig means he takes himself aside. He separates himself. Might be along the same lines of Resh Lakish. And uh, Rashi has his Likihabid uh, Varim. As quoting it from the Midrash, he takes the people with words. Devarim, says the, says the Navi. So that's the reference over there as well. As well. But Vaikahan's most basic level says Resh Lakish. That's the beginning of Mahloket. You're taking, you're acquiring, acquiring for yourself something uh, silly, something rotten. Korah. Why was his name Korah? Of course, the Hakamim are going to be Doresh, every one of the names that are mentioned. It's not per se, although it could be, it's not per se to suggest that the name was initially given to him because of some sort of Ruach HaKodesh, that this is who he would be. But it's after the fact. I look at the person, I said the name was very matching of their deeds. Korach Shena'asa Korhabi Israel, because he caused a certain boldness to the nation, explains Rashi, because he brought down with him a large swath of people. Uh, that's, uh, that's, that's a person who bolds the people. They had a lot of hair, they had a lot of people in their midst, and a lot of people were lost. He causes a certain boldness. We'll have a separate understanding of the, that name in just a few moments ahead in the Gemara. Ben Yitzhar, then his, uh, the name of his uh, grandfather was Yitzhar. And the word Yitzhar is reminiscent. It sounds a little bit like Sahoraim. Sahoraim, of course, means the afternoon. Why would he be known as Yitzhar? Ben Shihirtiyah Halavet Kola Olam. It's a person who boiled over, who caused anger and caused, uh, caused that wrath amongst the people, quote-unquote, the entire world, like the heat of the afternoon. Korach is a person who causes mahloket, who brings down people, but who furthermore uh, provokes the ire, the anger of others. Ben Kehat, his name was as well, all the way up was Kehat. What's Kehat? Lekahe. Ben Shehikashine Molidav, Lekaher, or Likot, uh, is a reference to blunting. So he blunted the teeth 
of his parents and his grandparents, which means he embarrassed them, explains Rashi. He uh, took away their sharpness, their ability to be proud. They wanted to hide themselves. He blunted their teeth. That's why he was known as Ben Kat. Ben Levi, what about Levi? Ben Shin'asa Levia Begehinam. He's a person who became an escort to Gehinam. He brought together with him many people to the depths of Sheol, that's what the word Levi, Levi is an escort, that's to be an escort, if you go further up, it just stopped over there in the Pasuk, I mean again, we're being Doresh, the first Pasuk in Parashat Korah, first Pasuk in Parashat Korah begins with those words, but then it stops, and then tells you the other people that he goes with, Tatan, Aviram, On Ben Pelet, when you go one more generation up to Yaakov, says the Gemara famously, okay, we wouldn't say Ben Yaakov. Um, is, firstly, says the Gemara, you could have said Ben Yaakov because it would have meant Ben She'ikev Atzmo Legehinam. It's a child who twisted himself, who contorted himself to enter into Gehenam, to again bring himself to the depths. Of, uh, of existence. Why didn't we mention that? Amar of Shemuel bar Yaakov Yaakov got himself out prophetically before this whole thing at the end of Sefer Bereshit when Yaakov is blessing and speaking to his children he speaks to Shimon and Levi and he talks about their wrongdoing, he's referring to Shechem, and he says about them, I don't want to be a part of their gatherings and their assemblies for rotten things. So what's that a reference to? What does he not want to be a part of? The first reference is perhaps to the Miragilim, we'll get back to that point in a second. The second part is the child, the descendant of Levi is Adat Korach, says Yaakov, I want nothing to do with it, so to speak, at this juncture. As a result, his name is not appended to the list of uh, uh, ancestors of Korah. Miragilim, why are Miragilim specific to Shimon or to Levi? The Miragilim came from all the 12 tribes. We have two st- uh, outstanding ones, but why Shimon and Levi? Again, this is from the words of Yaakov to Shimon and Levi before his death. I want nothing to do with that. That's the Miragilim. There is Rashi, well, first and foremost, Maharsha and his commentary to the Gemara says maybe there was a tradition amongst the Hachamim that the, uh, that the Nasi of Shevet Shimon was the most rotten amongst the, uh, the Meragelim. Maybe that was the worst one. No, the Torah doesn't tell us about it. Maybe it was Shimon that really, uh, the, the head of the tribe of Shimon, as one of the Meragelim, Shimon, maybe. So was Reuven. So was Reuven. But anyway, that be the case. Uh, alternatively, Rashi and his commentary to this quotes from the Midrash in uh, Parashat Vayachi, and he says it's a reference to Zimri ben Salu. It's a reference to Zimri, who of course has the illicit relations with Kozbi, as a terrible occurrence as well, which means that you have a different version then to what we're referring to. But f- fundamentally, says the Gemara, Yaakov Kibyachol, before this whole thing, foresees wrongful things with Shimon and Levi, and says, I want nothing to do with it. The Pasuk, in turn, in the eyes of the Hachamim, leaves out Yaakov. All right, then we have other people, the people that Yaakov, that Korah, brings with him. He brings Datan, Aviram, and he brings a person named On Ben Pelet, all members of Reuven, Bechor. Why was his name Datan She'avar al-Dat? Named Datan, Dat is a reference to law. He defies, he goes against law. When did he go against law? Says Rashi, he became a part of this Mahloket. He went against law. Alternatively, Maharshap suggests 
that is going against law was in Egypt. According to tradition, the, the striking of one to the other was that Tanta Aviram. In turn, they're fighting with each other. You're not allowed to strike one another. That's when he already went against the, uh, the law. What's that? So one of two things. Either the names were, this every time the Gemara has this, you have to, and the Gemara does this all the time. It's one of two things. Either the name the Hachamim are saying, Kivyachol, or literally with a certain aspect of Ruach HaKodesh, the parents bestow this name upon the child, not knowing how significant and how much it will define them in the future, or alternatively. Potentially, there is such a strand, and it's never fully clear which one the hachami means. Sometimes they're explicit, that's what they mean. Alternatively, it means once I look at what the person did, I say, you know, it's very befitting of his name. Not per se that it was, you know, there from the beginning. It's one of the, one of the two. There's, a, yeah, there's, there's never a way of proving it, and I, I don't think they have a way of proving it other than suggesting it could be one of the, uh, one of the two. I, again, you, you could alternatively, a third option, and sometimes you do find the hachamim envisioning it this way, is that the name was not per se their name, it's the Torah gave them that name. It was his name may have been something else, but the Torah calls him Datan because it was very appropriate. What's that? Like Mahlon and Kilion. If, if Morris was here, he would say Eldad and Medad. You, know, you have the Mialedot in Shifra and Pua as well. And in each of those circumstances, the Mefarshim already telling you the name is not what Rashi says. Shifra and Pua is Sipora and Yochevet. So it means we're giving them those names. I don't know that they were called, that the Torah gives them those names as a result of. Anyway, it says the Gemara, Datan Shi'avar al Dat Kil, that he went against the uh, Law of Hakadosh Baruch Aviram. Why was the other one's name Aviram? Sheibed atzmo measot teshuba. He he lost the. It's a little bit different. Uh, Aviram and Ibed is a resh and a dalid. Uh, yeah, you know what, what, what are you gonna do? Yeah, all right. You know that's, uh, that's so it goes. Or measot uh, teshuba from the ability to do teshuba. That's of course going with the notion that Adat Korah lost their uh, portion to Olam Haba. Means he took away his ability to do teshuba and merit Olam Haba. On then you had the next person's name was On Ben Pelet. And here's the interesting thing: many of you know about On Ben Pelet. He's initially part of the Mahloket. He's mentioned the initial pasuk that describes who's together with Korah. But then we have no mention of him later again. And because then Moshe goes to speak to Dan Tan Baviram, Lo Hamat, and so forth. What happened to On Ben Pelet? Say the Chachamim first and foremost, why was he named On? Either retrospectively or prospectively. The On Ba'aninut. The reason his name was On is because he sat in Aninut. He was like a mournful individual, explains Rashi. Bitshuva, he's doing Teshuvah for that which he initially committed to doing. What he initially committed to doing? To being with Korah. He changed his mind. We'll talk in a moment or two in the eyes of the rabbis why he changed his mind. Why was his father's name, so to speak, Pelet? Shina'asulo Pelaot. It was performed for him wonders. What sort of wonders were performed for him? Says Rashid, that he got out of this machloket. That was the wonder. Nothing more and nothing less. You don't need to envision all sorts of rewards. It's good enough that you got out of machloket. You, you did but it's defining him. Keep in mind, Ben Yitzhak, Ben Kehat, Ben Levi was defining, was defining Korah as well. Reuven, you could say, you know, that's not fine. It says Reuven, Ben Shira'a Vehevin, Reu and Ben Havana, he saw and he understood the ability to stop, pause, take in, reflect, and understand is sometimes something that we 
uh, neglect, says the Gemara, thankfully, On Ben Pelet was able to achieve that. Says the Gemara, okay, let's deal with who he was and what happened to him in the eyes of the Hachamim. Amar Rav On Ben Pelet, Ishto Hitzilato. It was his wife who saved him. Amrale, she turns to him and says, uh, She reasons logically with him and says, What's the practical difference for you in teaming up with Korah or sticking with Moshe? Imor Raba and Talmida. The Imor Raba and Talmida. Whether this master, meaning Korah, is the guy in charge, you're his student, you're his underling, or if Moshe remains the leader, well, you're his student, you're his underling. Regardless, you're not rising to the top, you're not actually gaining in stature, which seems to portray already the initial mindset of On Ben Pelet. His mindset, although the words we'll hear from Korach and from Datan Aviram are words that speak about a governmental structure and so forth, the eyes of the Hachamim, this is all about rising to power. So she reasons with him, you're not going to be the leading guy over here. It's going to be Korach regardless. So it's Moshe or it's Korach. It's not as if you don't have a strong standing already. You're not going to get anything more. Amar Lahi turns to her in the eyes of the rabbis and says, Maya what am I going to do? I was a part of the initial scheming. I was a part of the Korah assembly. We met, we schemed, we determined we're going to rebel. And I promised, I swore in that I would be on their side. I can't step out of this. It's dangerous for my life. It's going to hurt my good name. Amra, she says to him, Amra le yada'ana de kula kenishta kadishta ninhu. That's the most amazing description and, and story over here. She says, I know that this is a holy assembly. Dikhtiv, after all, Korah says, ki kola yada the claim of Korach to Moshe Rabbeinu is we're an entirely co- uh, a holy Kodesh assembly and God is in our midst. Their claim is a religious claim just as much as it's a political claim. She in turn, the wife of On Ben Pelet, says to him, you guys are religious, very religious. You're very pious and God-fearing. I know how to deal with this situation. Now keep in mind, pause for a second and think, you can't find a greater rebel against God than Korah. But at the same time, she's going to play with their religiosity. The hypocrisy that the Chachamim here are seeking to get across to each of us when we act and we determine that we're religious in the context of lives which are led by irreligious morals, ethics, and directions. I mean, that's what it's all being described over here. They're very religious. They're a religious gathering. I'm going to beat them with religion. Beat them on what? They're about to rebel against God, but their piety will keep you out of this. How so? Amrale tub de anamasil nalach. She says to him, sit down, sit down, I'll save you. Ashkite hamra, she has him drink wine. Ve'arvite ve'agnite, she makes him a little bit intoxicated. And then she lies him down to sleep. She needs him sleeping because it appears he could not and would not be able to withstand and withhold and contain himself in context of the people passing by, of the noise outside the tent. He wouldn't be able to unless she has him sleeping. There's a certain musar in that as well. Sometimes we're so caught up in something, the only way to defeat ourselves is by, so to speak, going to sleep. 
removing ourselves entirely. You won't be able to pull this off. You swore in. You're so much a part of this assembly, even with what I'm telling you, even with what I'm doing, you're not going to be able to uh, withstand the pressure. All right, she has him sleeping. Otva al bava she sits on the opening of the tent. Bava means a gate. Well, it means the opening, the door of the tent where, where they're living. And she exposes her hair. And by exposing her hair, she commits an irreligious uh, uh, deed. And anyone who's passing by doesn't want to look at a married woman with her exposed hair. Kol de'ata, anyone who passed by looking for On Ben Pelet, we're about to run and go uh, stage our rebellion. Hazyash saw her, Hadar would turn around. Nobody would enter the tent, nobody would engage in conversation with On Ben Pelet because of their religious sensibilities that his wife is not dressed appropriately, that she exposed her hair. Again, they're in the midst of staging a rebellion, I'm saying it on purpose, against God. But religion is what's going to hold them back. I mean, this, you can't find a greater tale from the Hachamim in which they make fun of us, every single one of us, myself, more than anyone else, where we have religious sensibilities which are so skewed and backward because we're pushing forward for religious standards while at the same time losing sense, losing track of where and who we are in the larger scheme of things. Says the Gemara, as this happens, in other words, he's sleeping and she has her hair exposed at the entrance of her home of her tent, they're all swallowed by the ground, she saves her husband. Um, says the Gemara, in stark contrast to the wife of On Ben Pelet, itete means the wife of, she says to him, look at what Moshe is doing. In other words, the Hachamim envision the wife of On Ben Pelet as saving him. You can't just make women all positive here. We're going to see the wife of Korah as the one who brings him down. She says, look what's happening for Moshe. He made himself the king. To his brother Aharon, he's the Kohen, he's the priest. To his nephews, to the sons of Aharon, he made them the second in command to the Kohen Gadol, he made them regular Kohanim. If Tiruma comes in, of course, one of the, uh, the, the, uh, the, the obligations that we have when we have growth of produce, we have to give it to the Kohanim. It goes to the Kohanim, it doesn't go to you, honey. Maybe if Maaseh comes in, Maaseh Rishon goes to the Levi, so it's yours. The Shakil Tu Atun, which even you take. Korach, we get Maaser, Amar, there's still a mitzvah, Havu Had Me'asara La Kohen, one tenth, it's called Terumat Maaser, needs to go to the Kohen. Uh, so, uh, honey, Korach, we don't have a great deal over here. This guy, your cousin, look what he did. He made himself the king, his brother the priest, his nephews, the Kohanim as well, and at best, you get Maaser, which you need to give some to them. Yeah. The odd. And furthermore, the guy is le le mazaychu lechu ki kufta. She says furthermore, and she says, and also she made you all shave off your hair. And she has, and he's treating you ki kufta, says Rashi, re'i, like, uh, like excrement. He's treating you like nothing. Enayahav be mazaychu. His eyes are on your hair. 
It's easy for me to read this Gemara. His eyes are on your hair. That's your honor. That's your glory. That's your strength. That's the way you stand apart. In truth, one of the reasons a Nazir in Parashat Naso is known as a Nazir is the the Nezer Elohav Aroshot said about the Kohen as well. But the Nezer is his hair, the crown on his head. He was Amar He turns to her and and reasons Korach does Ha'ihu Nameka Avid. He as well cut his hair. It's Pesukim at the beginning of Parashat Shemini. The Levim and the Kohanim are not allowed to grow their hair long. Well, so he's doing the same thing. Honey, he doesn't want our hair. Again, hair over here is designating crown. It's designating in the words of the Mikubalim Tiferet. It's the ability to stand apart, to stand above. And she, he says, but I say, Amra le, she says back to him, yeah, he has your hair and his hair off. But you should know, effectively, it's only to give himself strength. Kevan de kulehu rabuta dide, amar she says to him, you should know, he has a mindset like, the Gemara likens it to Shimshon. Shimshon brings his own death as he kills the Pilishtim. He says, I'll die, I'll take the sacrifice of myself in order to kill the others. In order to be effective, sometimes I need to sacrifice something or all of myself. She says to him, effectively, Moshe is propping himself up. No, but really he's cutting his hair as well. That's right, so he cuts his hair as well, but what he affected was, all of you guys have your hair cut, so you're all in his army. He still puts himself at the head. You don't have something over him or over anyone else, because you're all, and here's the word, you're all balded. His name Korah then might be referred to in this context as the bald one. She's saying to him, look how he made you bald. Korah's feeling then in being bald, it is unnerving. Korah's feeling then in claiming in Parashat Korah, effectively what he's doing is saying to Moshe, look, you've made us all equal. If we're all equal, why are you standing above us? All right, we'll continue with the rebellion and the claims next time.